Listen to people, learn what you can. Mm-hmm. What is racism and what is just ignorance? If you've got a friend or an ally or somebody in your corner there to support you, amazing. I just can't wait for the day where like, we're no longer pleasantly surprised that someone is like LGBT plus. Ask questions on a personal level do better. Asking pronouns. It was like the moment that I realized I was different. Winning that award topped this year off for me. Because without you, this world wouldn't be the same. Are you listening? Are you listening? Are you listening? Are you listening? Welcome back to Are You Listening? The Oxfordshire Youth Podcast. Are You Listening? is a podcast for young people by young people to discuss all of the things that they're passionate about. At Oxfordshire Youth, we wanted to make sure that young people had a space to fully express themselves in a way that they felt completely confident about. And that's how this podcast was created. We hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, My name is George Howard and I am the host of this episode. My pronouns are he slash him. And today we'll be talking about Black History Month, <laughs> slightly delayed, and I'm joined by my wonderful guest. Uh, Nikki, do you want to introduce yourself? Absolutely. So, hi everyone. I'm Nikki Adebi, pronouns she slash her. Um, I wear multiple hats, but main one is that I'm the founder of a platform called Bounce Black, which is all about peer support and resources for young Black people who are building careers whilst navigating recovery from adversity. And yeah, thank you for having me today. I just wanted to say before we start, actually, um, thank you so much for your um, contribution. We appreciate that you're very busy. Um, So from me, myself and I, and everyone at the team at Oxfordshire Youth that has any involvement in this, from us to you, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I want to start by, I mean, obviously we're slightly delayed, um, but um, Black history is always significant and important. Um, I think I want to start by talking about uh, Windrush. I think when I think of Black history, Windrush, Windrush is what like sticks in my mind or what like initially comes to my head. So, like, I'm like, is it second generation? So my grandparents, who goes are here, big up. Um, from, <laughs> from Jamaica uh, in the 1960s purely to one to make a better life for themselves and for all of us and also to help the UK out with the because with the economic crisis we, we had at the time and I think more than often we not we but like other people don't always recognize and appreciate how much work black people have put into shaping Britain and making it the way it is a hundred percent a hundred percent and yeah thank you for sharing and I think The Windrush generation is so fascinating to me because as a Black African, this is something that quite quite ashamedly, I guess, I learned about a lot later um, in the wake of the scandals around those who were being deported, despite the fact that many of them had initially been given or promised indefinite leave. Mm -hmm. Um, Windrush is is a story that belongs to many of my Caribbean friends that I have had to learn um, secondhand as a result of uh, those controversies because similarly my my grandparents came to the UK in the 60s but 
in entirely different circumstances. Um, And I think it's quite interesting, the differences in British, uh, African and British Caribbean experiences. Um, But when I did learn about the Windrush generation and how it essentially mirrors um, the, the US in the sense that, you know, America was basically built off the back of slavery. And I guess to an extent in the UK, in the aftermath of the Second World War, it's mainly Black Caribbeans uh, coming from these Commonwealth nations who helped to rebuild the UK and make it what it is and contributed to the economy um, through through various means, um, especially in like con- the construction industry, public transport and the NHS. And so it's, yeah, it's very, it's something that's very, very inspiring to me to have learned about, but also gr- like grieving um, just in light of how people have been treated in the last few years and the controversies that arose um, as a result of that. But yeah, I think Windrush is really, really, really important. Out of curiosity then, because I'm, I'm always trying to learn and like uh, widen my knowledge. How do you, how would you say like the like, um, I guess British African experience differs from the British Caribbean, especially in them times. Because my to be honest, my knowledge is quite minimal. Like I'll, I'll, I'll happily like read what I write. Across, right? It's not something that I am an expert in. I'm intrigued to know like, what what the differences are. Yeah, I feel the same way about the British Caribbean experience. Um, so for me, I've learned that. So some of my um, fellow like Nigerian and West African friends um, similarly had grandparents who came in the UK, came to the UK in the 60s. um, But many of them who came, came on like scholarships sponsored by, um, I don't know, the British Council or um, in other circumstances, the UN. My grandfather came as a diplomat. And so it's a very, very striking uh, difference, I think, in how our ancestors, our recent ancestors, arrived here. Um, but nevertheless, I think that because of the thriving Black British community that we have as a result of Caribbeans and Africans coming together, despite the fact that our starting points um, in terms of how our communities originated are different, I think that being Black British itself is a relatively young identity, and that's something that's been um, developed as a result of the fusion of both uh, Black Caribbean and Black African experiences in the UK. But I also think a similarity which um, inevitably that Black people have, whether you're Caribbean or um, African, is um, the shared oppression, because we're all put in the same box, aren't we? Like. As, as sadly as it is to put it, like I've got, um, I probably think, I probably need to have more African friends than Caribbean, to be honest. And that's not even like, per, like purposely done. It just happens to be the way it is. But um, I think a real beautiful thing that I'm noticing quite recently is that a lot of Black people are coming together to talk about their experiences. And I don't think is there is a division between African Africans and Caribbeans, I would say, but I don't I don't really have that issue. I have some friends who have gone through that and it sounds absolutely awful because <laughs> we all have the we all originate from Africa originally, centuries and centuries ago. 
Um, but yeah, I'm really, I'm really pleased to see the progression in uh, solidarity between uh, black communities as a whole. And I think that's really, I think that's purely because of um, George Floyd and the movements which have originated in the last couple of years. And yeah, it's, it's really refreshing to see, really reassuring as well for like further generations after our, our own time. Absolutely. And you picked up on something there, which I think underpins how I feel about this conversation in general, is that my approach or my initiation into all things black definitely was rooted uh in black american history african-american history and over the years as i've tried to learn more about black british history and also african history um it's made me more mindful of the need to be pan-african which is what i believe underpins the sentiment that you were describing there about being able to appreciate um, blackness wherever you find it um, for all its good, but also all of its um, challenges. Um, and I think that's probably why we are able to come together as a community, um, as you said, with the shared experiences of oppression, um, because obviously, even though we know amongst ourselves that our cultures have their own like nuances and differences. When you're living in majority white cultures, majority white countries, they don't they don't see that. <laughs> All they see is black and they treat us accordingly. And so we've had to come together and find ways to collectively survive um, and therefore also collectively thrive in the face of those challenges um, that come with living uh, as minorities in the West. I do think that it's also, um, I do agree with what you're saying. Like, I think we've um, felt the need more often to kind of make our own little, um, I don't know if subcultures is the right word, or like mini miniature groups. But I think it's also, I think like white allyship is also really, really important. Uh, like you said, <laughs> we're living in very um, uh, white dominated areas, white dominated locations. Um, my friendship group is is all white. I've dated my, mainly white people purely because there wasn't that exposure from my ends and where I live. And I think um, this, uh, I read this thing the other day, I can't, remember what, I can't remember what the source was. I'm really bad at like finding sources and not being able to like locate them afterwards. But I read something it was saying about how like um, battles or like challenges and struggles for black people, like black people can only do like half of the work. And then like obviously the allyship from other racial groups needs to be put in place in order for the movement to go as far as it uh, can do, or like for the exposure to like reach as much as it should. And uh, as important as it is to find comfort and um, consensus in your own groups, I think it also it's really, really important to like find people um, who are outsiders of your community that they also are able to understand, sympathize, understand but never understand but like still be able to show like ongoing like uh, love and support more than anything else. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think especially when we're talking about the conversation around social mobility, I remember some of the really helpful advice that I received from a more senior black woman uh, in the legal profession, which is what I'm hoping to go down. Um, I remember something she told me and it stuck with me is that Sometimes the people who are going to help me get to where I need to get to aren't always going to look like me. And I think that's an important principle 
um, in the wider conversation around allyship, being able to recognize that as much as our lived experience needs to be centered in any work of like concerning uh, black equity, we have to center our experiences and our stories and our voices, but we can't do this work alone, especially when we are existing um, as minorities. We need allies who are part of the majority. We need allies who have the privileges and the power to help us advance the cause, so to speak. So, yeah, I completely agree with you that the importance of allyship um, is something we need to be mindful of um, and be okay and accepting of the fact that some of the people who are going to help us get to where we need to get to will not share our characteristics and won't be black and that's okay for sure and i also want to i want to touch on something which i think is really important about um is there anyone is there anyone in particular because i have loads of people but i'm intrigued to hear intrigued to hear yours first are there any like particular people that come to mind like um like historical thing i mean is historical the right word i guess historical but um any like black figures that come to mind when you think oh, like, you've really, like, made your mark, you've really, like, um, made some significance. Is there any, like, one who comes to mind? I think that's a very, very difficult question because, as we know, it like, the Winterest generation alone, they've many names of people who are otherwise faceless in history, which is unfortunate, apart from their families who honour their legacy. But so many people have contributed to the flourishing of this country. Um so I think that's an important thing to state. But yeah, there's like, there's several people. Um, and I like that you touched on the point about whether or not the term historical should be used, because the first thing that comes to mind is the little black girl magic moment that I had when I was an intern um, for a, a, a political like charity um, supporting like people with mental health challenges and um, uh, yeah and their like financial circumstances I remember part of that role involved me going to parliament often and I remember having this black girl magic moment when I was just walking through the hallways of Portcullis House which is um, one of the buildings in the Houses of Parliament in the UK and I just remember walking through the hallway and seeing Dawn Butler, who is an MP, and I was just so excited to see her and I smiled at her and she smiled at me back. And that moment has always stuck with me because it just felt like, wow, look at where I am and look at where she is. And we always said was hi to each other in passing, but there was weight behind that hi behind that hello and the smiles like I can't even explain it but that's one of my precious um memories that I have and yeah speaking of black women MPs obviously um however you feel about people's politics I'm still very much in admiration of Diane Abbott who was the first black female MP in the UK um several other black British figures that have contributed throughout history include Obviously, Mary Seacole, the nurse, Alada Equiano, the abolitionist and former slave. And many of us learned about Benjamin Zephaniah, a poet, um, back in school days. Like, that's a name that goes way back for me. Um, so I just think there's a long, long list of 
people who have contributed to um, the UK uh, who are black. And yeah, <laughs> it's a shame that my memory fails me in this moment, but those are just some of the names I can think of. And even in preparing for this conversation, I was reading about uh, three men, Paul Stevenson, Guy Bailey and Roy Hackett, who led the Bristol bus boycott. Um, and that's, to be honest with you, I didn't, I didn't even know that happened. I did not know that happened. I'm very well aware of Rosa Parks and Montgomery, Alabama and their, their, their bus boycott, but didn't even know that similar happened in the UK. But the difference is in Alabama, they were um, fighting for the rights of black passengers to sit anywhere. Whereas in the UK, they were fighting for the rights of black drivers in public sector employment. So yeah, there's just so many names that I hadn't heard of that I still probably haven't heard of, um, which became more apparent as I was preparing for this. And it just makes me realize, wow, black people have really done a lot for this country. And unfortunately, our praises, their praises haven't been sung enough, sadly. I feel like a lot of the, like, even like currently, I think there's a lot of people, there's a lot of black people in the UK making a lot of noise. Um, creatively which I, I think is only really, I think even I was talking to the editor of this um, podcast about this a few weeks ago and um it's really it's really amazing to see how many like creators have like really made noise in the last like five years um and entertainers for mine my like biggest one that I always think was Michaela Cole like I'm, a, I'm obsessed with her she can do absolutely no wrong in my <laughs> in my eyes I just saw her in Black Facts absolutely love her I saw her in Black Panther last week and I've watched a really interesting interview and she um she even said she was like the only reason I took the role was because the character was a queer character and I thought oh my god let's go come on so I think she definitely comes to mind uh, also um uh, who else is there uh ZZ Mills I think she's absolutely incredible I think the work that she's doing is really really important um who else is there and then like all the black podcasts, they're all like making amazing moves as well. I'm here for literally every single one of them. And I'm, I'm really, I don't know, I'm really happy to be in a place where we, there's just so many like black, black creators. And I think what makes it even better is they're not, they're all very different. They've all got their own, they've all got a very um, authentic, like unique element to their work, which is just amazing. Because obviously it's so often we're all like, during we're all seen or like categorized as people who are like into rap, into drill, are like, um, deprived um misfortunate you know what I mean like that that can be the case but it's not always and I just I don't know I just think we're in a really good place and just I'm here to see it yeah absolutely and just as you were speaking I was just thinking about how amazing black British culture is um I think going back to some of the stuff that we spoke about earlier as well is just how I think I remember reading that black British culture or black British ident as an identity is quite new and it's a combination it's got combination of influence from west african cultures caribbean cultures um in terms of like the the language of our subculture like the the slang that we have the banter that we have um and i just think it's a really wonderful testament to the integration um within black communities in the UK and how culturally our contributions to the UK are be becoming more, I know earlier I mentioned that 
a lot of um, black historical, black British historical figures have gone, um, gone slipped under the radar um, from like the wider public consciousness. But I think even figures like Stormzy and some of the ones that you mentioned, like I just think when I reflect on my school experience, I'd never imagined someone like Stormzy would be so publicly out there and grime has become mainstream um owing to various um rappers I can't name them my memory is failing me here but like yeah just the way Stormzy headlines like festivals and things like that I just find that amazing um and how he's just one representative and emblem of this melting pot that we call black British culture. Yeah, there's definitely um there's definitely a wave at the moment of a lot of um hip hop artists really making moves like so many to the point I don't think I can even name them because it would just take too too long. Obviously like Storm Stormzy has literally like hit the fan, hasn't he? He's um you couldn't even like predict his success. It's absolutely incredible. And he also like refers back to his culture and his people all the time, which I'm like obsessed with then you have like Santander, AJ Tracy like Diggity and all of them and um yeah no they're all like truly incredible they're doing so so well for themselves you just said a really good point which I think is quite interesting I find that like sometimes when we talk about let's say black history as a whole let's not limit it to black British history then like in like curriculums and stuff as well I think black American history is very dominating very very dominating um, like you said, like Rosa Parks, Martin Luther. I, I I don't know what your circumstances were at school, but I remember the black curriculum being uh, very very minimal, next to nothing. And then the the coverage that we did have was very Americanized, uh, which can be quite infuriating because I find that I mean no, I'm, I'm, I acknowledge that black uh, British history is very significant and also it shapes me. Do you know what I mean it shapes you? Um, I find it. But I know they've I know they started something recent. I know they've started the black curriculum. I don't know how far it's gotten. I follow the page on Instagram, but I haven't seen any updates for a while. I know that was like in the process a year or two ago. But obviously getting things onto a curriculum can take like a vast amount of time. Um, but I think I can find it I find it quite um frustrating and quite, I guess, infuriating how there's so much uh black history which I wasn't very conscious about until I started doing my degree. And that's, do you know I mean, that's not accessible to a lot of people. So then learning about what, like, I don't know, like Stuart Hall, Paul Gilroy, um, who else is there? I can't think of anyone else on the top of my head, but do you know what I mean? There's so many like significant people that have like done a lot of work or researched work and made all these findings about so much, so many contributions and just events and just, just witnessing really crucial things happening. But if you don't do, I don't know, if you don't do deeper work, further work, you're never going to discover that, which is quite annoying because not everyone has the access to be able to find things like that in the first place. And it's like, I don't know, it's almost like sometimes we can't really distinguish the difference between Britishness and American, and um, Americanness, is that right? Americanness? Because America is obviously a lot more um, dominating in pop culture, um, coverage, and just, well, yeah, just, exp- being um exposure in general which can be quite annoying well yeah more than annoying to be honest it's so interesting that you say that because i think my experience has been the same and that's 
Yeah, it's it is a shame. Um, yeah, definitely Black History Month during school days for me definitely centered around the Black American experience. And I think I think that's important. It's definitely important for us to be aware of what took place on the other side of the Atlantic, because, you know, <laughs> in terms of racism, the US and the UK, they're cousins. Like, let's not think that this is just a them problem. Um, but I think that's also it, that also points to the inadequacy of the curriculum as as we experienced it growing up, um, where racism was so contextualized within the Black American experience that we don't necessarily we we weren't necessarily exposed to how things um, how how racism took shape here in the UK, and I think that that that's a problem. Um, I've definitely got like uh, I've said this already, I've got like a long laundry list of names and sources and resources to look into. But yeah, one of the books that have been on my to read list for a while, which now as a result of this conversation, I'll probably put on my um, priority list for next year is um, David Olusoga's Black and British book, um, the subtitle of which is A Forgotten History. And I think that's exactly right. It is a forgotten history because, um, as we've both said, we grew up with a curriculum centered around the US. And even when I went to university and I started to develop more of an interest in the Black experience, the Black diaspora experience, it was still very much couched in non-British sources. Um, Yeah, like I remember reading... Uh, W.E.B. Du Bois and Frederick Douglass and all of those really important historical figures in Black um, Black American history. But yeah, I think that when when the the, the American experience is centered um, to the exclusion of Blackness elsewhere, I think we have an incomplete. Um, vision of the black experience or yeah an incomplete picture an image of the black experience worldwide and I think in the spirit of pan-Africanism if we're going to be concerned about um, the state of black folk across the globe then we need to be a lot more well-versed in the the history of their experiences and how they got to where they are and yeah that's the only way we're gonna effectively advocate for changes today by properly having an understanding of where each of the groups of black people have come from um like socially and socioeconomically speaking and politically speaking i think yeah i feel like the way forward in order to um to make that exposure more uh, visible and more um, apparent in curriculums is by I mean, I wish I was up to date with how the black curriculum is going so I could comment better on this. But to, um, well, I think one crucial thing is to is to make these arising issues apparent to uh, people who are in charge of how the education curriculum works. So people in parliament who have the final, um, the final tick to say what goes and what doesn't. I want to move on to the work that you're doing because obviously it's really important to recognise um, the stuff that black people are creating um, myself and everyone at Oxford Youth are really um, amazed by what you're doing at Bounce Back 
So I'd love for you to give us like a run through of what you've been doing if that's all right. Bounce Black is my baby. It's um, a passion project that was born out of lived experience. Um, so I mentioned it's all about providing peer support um, and psychoeducation for young black people navigating recovery from adversity alongside building careers. And that's something that um, came as a result of my own journey navigating recovery from anxiety and depression um, through throughout school, throughout university. And um, even now, as I'm trying to, you know, build my career and hopefully the legal profession and beyond. Um, yeah, I just remember a couple of years ago, just reflecting on how far I've come and just thinking about the, the things that made the difference, the tools that made the difference. Um, and how over the years people had been reaching out to me for mental health support for themselves or for someone that they know. And I just started to think, what can I do to build like a single reference point that people can go to to find some of these resources that I mostly stumbled across in my journey, which have helped me and might also be beneficial to other people. And so, um, yeah, in I think it was December of 2019, the idea came to mind to create this platform. Um, and then I eventually did so and launched it in 2020 um, in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> in the middle of a panorama, pen pentatonic, however you want to call it. But yeah, I just was very much conscious of the fact that had I had access to the resources and knowledge that I have had um, that have helped my recovery much sooner, I think my story would have been different um, much earlier. That said, I'm not not massively regretful because obviously the things that I've been through um, led to me creating this. But yeah, so that's like the story of the yeah high level story of um bounce black and so initially it was just about posting psychoeducational concepts um and making it accessible for young black people on instagram um then we branched out into blogs um i say we i should also say that i'm thankfully supported by a small team of volunteer friends um a doctor vicky um, a therapist in training, Chinadu, a qualified therapist already, Mapalo, and also a um, ambassador, previously a student ambassador, Michelle. Um, and yeah, they support in various ways. And I'm just thankful that in the past couple years since launching, um, I've just had the opportunity to share my story but also to platform other people's. And I think that's my grand um, or wider vision for Bounce Black to platform people's stories of overcoming hurdles and obstacles in their lives. Um, because for me, I just felt like a lot of the time when I was going through what I was going through, I felt like I was alone. Um, I know I wasn't alone um, and I did have support at various points in my journey, but it was still quite a lonely time for me in terms of like pursuing real recovery and not really knowing what that meant or looks like. So I think what has made the difference is knowing 
that there are people out there who have gone through really real things and similar things, um, but they've still managed to build a life for themselves that they are pleased with and that they are happy about. And I think that's what Bounce Back is all about, to be able to um, enhance and utilise the power of storytelling um, uh, to encourage people to keep going wherever they are in their journeys and in their stories, to just remind them that, you know, life can get really real. Um, Life can be really hard. Um, But that doesn't mean you can't live a meaningful life on the other side of those hard things and that you can't, um, yeah, live a life that you're proud of and um, pursue your dreams um, or variations of your dreams. So, yeah, that's what Bounce Back is all about. And, um, yeah, I'm thankful to have collaborated with Penguin in the past to do a giveaway of the book that changed my life. The body keeps the score. I'm very thankful for that opportunity and yeah, for the opportunities to come. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I want to say, um, well, big up to you because I think in times of difficulty and um, struggle, it's very hard to make something and to try and find, um, try and make resources, not only for yourself, but for other people. So like, I want to say for myself and everyone, like honestly, well done for making what you've done because it's absolutely phenomenal to have made what you have made and for it to have long lasting significance to this very day. And to also have like, well, I, I feel like having volunteers, like it's always like a really good sign that what you're doing is like doing well. Like I feel like having volunteers is a sign that what you're doing is clearly like making moves and making noise, which is also, which is what we want to hear. And I like the part about you saying about how I think when we have times of struggle and difficulty, um, it's really important to have people that we can allied with, join with, and obviously having what you've made has made that a uh, visible res- resource and facility for people, which is really fundamental. Yeah, I just, I just think the work you're doing is really incredible. I'm just, I'm really happy to be in the same space with you because I think it's like truly like amazing. Like honestly, big up you. I'm so honoured. Thank you for your kind words. I just want to emphasise that that's exactly why it was important for me to stress that Bounce Black is a peer support resource. Um, So nothing that I do is about coming as some high person, some expert um, who is coming to tell you about your problems and coming to give you the solutions. It's all about community for me and showing that I'm walking alongside you in this process. Like, um, it's it's a it's very much a for us bias um, kind of movement or um, mission because it's really important for people to know that it's not just about. Obviously, in, in when it comes to recovery, you you do sometimes need the the help of experts to help you understand your experiences, to give you the language. Um, to to help you to to recover but I still felt it was important to make it known that this is a peer-to-peer platform um and that means that even to this day I'm still having to bounce black um so yeah it was just important for me to just do what I do which is to just be real and authentic about what I'm experiencing what I'm going through and how, what I'm doing to overcome what I'm going through um, and encouraging other people 
to um yeah not be afraid to share about their experiences and know that someone is navigating similar things as you and um yeah just to inspire people to keep going in and amongst the hardship because you're not the only one um and I don't say that in a condescending way but in a way to encourage you to keep going because yeah there are people who understand um and we're walking with you I think that's a really um that's a really crucial message like you said to remind people that they're not alone but um there are people around you who are more than likely going for something similar so like find your people and have comfort in that so you know that's a guidance or that's like an incentive to be like you're not alone and you have people that you can talk to who have gone through similar experiences and encounters and hopefully that will create like a sense of security in one way or another what are like particular do you have any like particular like um like joyful or like joyful moments like achievements that like make you like I don't know like come to like the realization being wow like we're really making changes and like they're really I mean they're visible like people can hear them is there anything that comes to mind absolutely so I think 2022 has been a movie of a year um for me but I think one thing that comes to mind is the work that I've been fortunate enough to do with the Emerging Minds Network. Um, So just last month, we had the Emerging Minds Summit, which brought together all of the key contributors and stakeholders of the Emerging Minds Network to talk about our work. And to expand a bit more, for the past couple of years, I've been a young advisor to the network um, alongside Jawad, Mustafa and Fury Gezai. And we were looking into Uh, the impact of racism on children and young people's mental health in the UK. And so the culmination of that work, which involved things like literature reviews to see what exists on this topic already, um, which wasn't much as we came to find, and then identifying priorities for research, um, which involved speaking to young people to hear their thoughts about this, as well as practitioners who work with young people. Um, And then we also put out a funding call um, and in the end funded three different research projects uh, in this area. And so what happened in the summit last month was we were reflecting on our experiences um, being part of this network and doing the work that we did and how much we personally benefited from co-design and co-production so being involved in the process at every stage um but also just the fact that this summit took place uh at the university of oxford which is something that i never imagined i would ever do um because it's not a space that i grew up believing was for me or for people like myself um, like I remember didn't I didn't bother applying to Oxford um, for my undergrad because I just thought it's it's not a place for me it's not a place for people like me so it just felt like a full circle um, feeling smashing moment where I found myself in the streets and hallways of the spaces and places I once believed to be impenetrable and inaccessible so that's something that I'm really excited about and thankful for. I'm really happy to um, hear about all the th- all the things that you've been able to achieve. It's just really it's really refreshing, isn't it, to be able to um, put yourself in 
places and positions which you didn't even think were feasible for people as a whole, let alone black people. Um, it's really refreshing to be able to hear that. I'm really like, I'm really glad to hear that you, you're being able to make the moves that you're making. Why are spaces for black joy so important? I love this question. I think the simplest way to put it would be that we need to avoid reinforcing the idea that we are a race that only knows sorrow. Um, I think it's important to constantly remind ourselves that our history is much more than our pain and that our legacies will be much more than our pain. I think it's important to remember that our ancestors didn't only shed tears, but they also knew laughter. And that's not to say that we should whitewash our history and stick our fingers in our ears, ignoring black trauma, but it's important to just remember that we are more than those things. Um, we're not just the things that we've been through, but we've also we're also what we have done to survive and thrive, and joy is a large part of that. And I think when it comes to thinking about black joy, black culture embodies black joy because each of our black cultures, whether you're African or Caribbean, um, it embodies vibrancy. We are a people who are lively and that's reflected in our celebrations, our cuisine, our entertainment, music, everything. And so, especially for those of us who are in the West, America, UK, wherever, we've survived the toxicity that came with the pandemic and being stuck inside and having to see and listen to people's true colors coming out online. Uh, amidst all the Black Lives Matter stuff. Many of us during that time were, and some are, still are, tired and drained, um, but it's really important that we find ways to replenish ourselves and nurture ourselves on the other side of that. And Black joy is the essence. Black joy is very um, essential and uh, pivotal. Yeah. Black joy is very essential and pivotal. I think... Um, more than often, especially for us, because we're in spaces which are very white dominated, it's very um, it's very refreshing to have spaces which can be um, specifically for Black people. And I think also it's really important to like distinguish the difference between um, Black um, empowerment and Black domination. So I don't I don't agree with Black domination because I just think dom I think domination as a whole is just like excluding everyone completely, which I don't agree with. However, though, when you have black empowerment, it's like, okay, let's have spaces and areas and uh, facilities which um, prioritize black people for whatever reason from A to Z. However, other people are able to come into those spaces, but it needs to be made fundamentally clear that black people are like the, the center and the principle of for whatever the activity is. And um, yeah, I'm finding, I'm finding myself in the last year or so, um, gravitating more towards um, friendships with black people more than not than before, prior. Not purely because of like having similar uh, ideas like cultures and interests. And it's really, I don't know, it's really reassuring, really refreshing to have, to be able to talk to people and not be the educator, <laughs> you know? And um, yeah, I, I think that's why, personally what I find, 
uh, black joy to be so essential and so um, prominent. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, yeah, we've already spoken about allyship um, and solidarity, but yeah, I think that just com- it comes back to the point that I made about us being tired and so therefore gravitating to where there isn't that much work to be done. And yeah. that's more often than not amongst ourselves. Obviously, we've spoken about like the moans and the groans and the consequences, but I really think it's important to like leave us on a happy note. With regards to the current circumstances, socially, politically, <laughs> economically, um, what are you hopeful for? I guess for the yeah, for black people, for the black community. Well, that's a great question. And I think the first thing that comes to mind, and I'm I'm really glad that you said for Black people because <laughs> that was my immediate thought anyway. Um, it's, yeah, I'm very much rooting for everybody Black, but as part of that, I think I'm just really excited about what we are doing for ourselves in this moment and despite this moment. We've spoken about so many people already who are doing their part to move the culture forward Um, and I think I'm just really excited about all of the little waves being made here and there. Um, There's a saying I love to just, uh, it it applies in many ways um, and I apply it to, yeah, I use it in reference to different situations but what I usually say is every ripple becomes a part of the stream and I think the way Black people, Black British people are making waves in their own corners of the, the, the country, in their own spheres of influence. The little that we're doing, I'm just really excited to see what the culmination is going to be like in the grand scheme of things over time. All of these little, and some of them are not so little, obviously people are really, really doing big things out here. They're doing bits, but I'm just excited about our direction when we think about how all of these little, um, in air quotes, little changes are going to add up um, and the future that that's going to create. So that's just a general point that I'm really excited about. But I'm also just hopeful about the healthier and holistic legacies that we're going to leave as a result of these changes for future generations. Um, in the spirit of talking about mental health and well-being and Bounce Black, I think it's very important to me to, to yeah, to, to envision and strive after a legacy that is more than just like wealth and property and things like that. It's about um, healing and undoing toxic ways of living and um, unhealthy patterns of relating to one another. And I'm just so excited that as part of the wider a shift in how people think about and talk about mental health. I'm just excited about that. The the fact that it's the norm um, or it's becoming the norm for people to go to therapy, for example, um, and increasingly so within the Black community. And I think we've come a long way from like being a culture that generally likes to keep things within the family and, um, <laughs> you know, not, 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 share too much about our personal lives outside of the home I think we've come a long way from being a hush and get on with it um culture and I'm just so excited to see um 
the futures that we create for, uh, yeah, <laughs> if you have children, children. Um, but just in general, I'm very excited for the legacies that we are in the middle of building for ourselves. So I just want to say, <laughs> Nikki, thank you so much for talking to us. We appreciate how busy you are your contributions or inputs and for your insight uh we really appreciate it so for myself and from everyone else for you thank you so much it's been an absolute pleasure George thank you so much for having me thank you to Darius for inviting me and it's been lovely also to meet with Becky and various other people this year from Oxfordshire Youth so again thank you so much for having me and yeah I enjoy speaking with you. If you enjoyed this episode of Are You Listening? Make sure you subscribe, whether you're on Anchor, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And also make sure you're following us on social media as well. At Oxfordshire Youth on Instagram and TikTok and at Oxfordshire Youth on Twitter.